In Deuteronomy chapter 6, there is an amazing passage, and it is amazingly encouraging, and it is instructive, and it is helpful for us. Deuteronomy chapter 6 is called the Shema. It is a, and I totally butchered that because I don't speak Hebrew, nor did I study it, um, but it is the, uh, it is the word of God that is to be spoken um, again and again at every major event, and it is the beginnings of uh, God's word to the people of Israel. And so uh, I just want to start off by reading that. Um, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and talk of them in your house. When you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be frontlets between your eyes, and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Never forget. Never forget the story. Tell it to your children. Tell it to their children so that they will never forget. That's what's happening here. It's, a, it's the statement that says, never forget. I wonder, has anything drastic happened in your family history generations ago? Has anything, that a story come out that needs to be repeated every time your family gets together for, for like major celebrations? Is there anything in your life, in, in, in your, maybe your grandfather or your grandmother did something that was very significant, that shaped the way that your family works and operates today? Um, it's, it's a good question. So, sometimes it's something really rich. Sometimes somebody has seriously contributed to, uh, to their world. For example, um, Professor Day. We are just a few blocks away from uh, Professor Day Road. My child goes to WH Day uh, Public School. What we have there is a story of a person who did something so significant that the town vowed to remember him. And uh, it's interesting. I, don't, uh, I didn't know until I started doing the research, like, why Professor Day? Why, who, is, who is William H. Day? And it turns out that he is the man who figured out how to drain the marsh um, so that the marshland became what it is and it could be farmed uh, really well because before then it was just all like wetland and reeds and everything like that. And then he was, he was the person in charge of draining the marsh. And so that became highly significant for our geographical area around here. Pretty important. It's a story. And even though we name streets after Professor Day and schools after uh, Professor Day, we don't oftentimes know the story attached to it. And so the question is, like, is there a story in your life, something that gets repeated, something that's rich? I mean, sometimes there are stories that are tragic that get repeated, but oftentimes the stories that get repeated and turned on are turned generation over generation are rich. We live in a generation now that often doesn't actually really value history. We kind of look back at the old days and we think, oh, they're kind of rustic, kind of old way of thinking, low tech, low technology. Um, I mean, they're, they're old fashioned. I mean, now we have a church with tablets so that everybody can be cool, right? Like we're cool. We got, we got tablets. Pretty cool. 
It's awesome, yeah. Okay, um, but we tend to think that whatever the past contributed uh, was, was good for then, but it doesn't necessarily apply now. It, it's, it's like, no, 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 we've got the future. We're, we're moving ahead. We've got something better to look forward to in those, that, that past dark ages thing of like 30 years ago. No, no, we're not doing that again. And, uh, and, and so one of, but once in a while we see that there's a family story that's worth remembering. And sometimes that just roots us. It roots us right in our place. It puts us in a spot where we're able to say like, that meant something. That was important. And uh, so rootedness is something that we don't hear a lot about. It's something that, that, you know, it's like, what are we talking about when we talk about rootedness? Um, it's, it's the idea that you repeat the same story again and again to help us build identity, to help us build a sense of who we are, a sense of rootedness. Um, so our culture, we don't really like a lot of repetition. We kind of like surprise. And the older we get, we find that there are kind of very few storylines. Anybody give up on going to the movies? Because the storylines become so predictable. It's like, oh, this is what it is. Here's the same story. And we're like, oh, but we want something novel. We want something new. But there are only very few storylines. And uh, so... So what we do is, with rootedness, it tells us who we are and where we belong. Rootedness tells us who we are and where we belong. It gives us a sense of identity and purpose, and it comes through generational stories. And so one of the issues that our younger generation face is anxiety, search for in- a search for identity. A lot of this is a cultural issue because we don't overall have a lot of very deep-rooted stories. And so a lot of pressure falls on us to say, I have to make up who I am. I have to self-define. I have to look into the future and see where I fit in all the chaos and everything that's happening. And who am I in the first place? And it comes out of rootedness. So this is why Deuteronomy 6 Deuteronomy 6 says, tell this story to your children and their children and make sure that we never forget who we are. The strength of this passage is the reason that the Jewish people did not get assimilated into the multiple cultures that actually overran them. In in the times of the exile, other, other countries were completely taken over. Other cultures were taken over and moved off into Assyria or, or later moved off into Babylon the Jewish people kept their identity. They kept their rootedness because of this verse right here. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. They were rooted in an identity that, was, that moved beyond the circumstances of their reality. They knew this again and again and again, the same story. So today, we're actually going to look at a story called The Road to the Promised Land. Its purpose is to root us in the faithfulness of God. That's the purpose of this story. It's one of God's outstanding promises. And you'll notice that we use outstanding as a, as a double uh, meaning here. Outstanding is in, it's wonderful, it's outstanding, but also outstanding because we're still waiting for its completion. We're still waiting for the, the fulfillment of the promise. 
So today our text is broad, and I'm only going to read selected parts, and you can find the text on your tablet or in your Bible in Exodus chapter 2. Um, and so this is, it's, uh, yeah, it's a powerful story, and it's dynamic, and it's highly influential. So Exodus chapter 2 and 3 is where we're introduced to Moses. Moses becomes one of the greatest leaders of Jewish history, and actually in first century Judaism, if you would ask a rabbi who the most influential person in the history of the world was at that point, they would have told you, every single one would have told you it was Moses. Every single Jewish rabbi would have looked to Moses and said, this is who it is, this is what is happening. And so Moses becomes a very important figure. So at the beginning, we're introduced to Moses, and he is in a very multicultural setting. Egypt was a place that was extremely multicultural at that time, um, because we have um, uh, because we have so many people moving into this place. It was actually very, very wealthy. So we're introduced to Moses, and when we meet Moses in Exodus two, he is growing up now. He's growing up in a multi uh, multicultural area, and he is grown up. So uh, the Verse 11 says, One day, when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and he looked on their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, and seeing nobody, he struck the Egyptian down and hid him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man in the wrong, why did you strike your companion? And this is where, this is where Moses finds out that, that he, was, uh, he was found guilty. Moses and, uh, and so he, Moses goes, oh, I'm so afraid because somebody knows that, that I'm guilty. And then Pharaoh finds out and Moses takes off. Um, and then he takes off and he goes off into, into his own exile in um, the Midian area. And it says in verse 16, Now a priest, a priest of Midian had seven daughters. And they came and drew water and filled the troughs uh, to water their flocks, their father's flock. The shepherds came down and drove them away. But Moses stood up and saved them and watered the flock. The reason I put these verses out there is because what's happening here is we're seeing a caricature of Moses. That's subtle. <laughs> we're seeing a character of Moses. And Moses is a person who he is seeing the ways that things should be. It's he wants things to be just. He wants things to be fair. He wants things to be right. And we see it where he strikes down the Egyptian who is in the wrong. He confronts a person, one of his Hebrew brothers, who is in the wrong. He sees that there are some women who are being pushed away from the well and not being served. And he's like, that is wrong. And I need to do something about it. Moses in a multicultural setting, would be the equivalent of somebody who pursues justice. That's what he is. He's a person who sees that there's something wrong, and he says, I need to do something about it. This is so important. And so, this is our pre-burning bush Moses. He shows us that, that he's got this, this ability to see what's wrong. But in our next passage in Exodus 2, 
uh, 22 to 25, we get a quick description of a larger picture of Hebrews complaining about the injustice that they experienced under the hand of Egypt's new pharaoh. Um, And so let me just read that in 22... Uh, Sorry, I just lost my spot. Hebrews 22. Oh, sorry, 23. During those many days, the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and they cried out for help. And their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God and God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel and God knew. God knew. So here we have plain injustice happening, and we also see that Moses is a person that pursues to right injustices. The thing is, when Moses was, right, was going out to right injustices on his own, um, most of the time it didn't work out for him. Well, 66% of the time it didn't work out for him. Um, the first two times when he's in Egypt, he goes out and first he kills somebody and then he gets confronted with what he did that was wrong and he gets asked, who put you in charge? It didn't work out for him. He goes out on his own and he's like, I need to pursue justice. That's noble. But it didn't fix a thing. The problem still existed. The, the oppression of his people still existed. And we have this story here where now we see that God hears and God knows and God is getting involved. And so we move quickly from this glimpse of God into a full-fledged look at his promise. So look at this verse. I have come down to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians to bring them up to a land, uh, to to a good land that is broad and is a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. I have an idea. First thing I want to point out here is God says, I have come down. In the case of bad news, in the case of injustice, in the case of our world, God's promise is saying, I have come down. I've mentioned this before, and I want to mention it again because it's so important that we understand this. All human religion, all religions, this is a universal statement, all religion seeks to connect the human with the divine. All religion does that. That's where the sociologists are absolutely correct, that all religion wants to bring the human and the divine together. That's what we all have in common. Christianity and Judaism stand separate from uh, any other religion on the face of this earth because in Christianity and Judaism, God says, I see the problem and I have come down. This separation in between God and man, God has said, I am dealing with it. I come down. I am going to make it right. I am the one who is doing the action here. I'm the one who's making the difference. And so we rely on God who is coming down. And so God says, I have come down and I am going to make it better. So the God we serve, the God we've entrusted our lives to is the God who's initiated 
And the second thing I want to point out about this is God is going to make it right. It says he's descending to us to deliver them out of the hands of their oppressors. God sees the evil. He sees the injustice that's happening in the world today. He sees it clearly. God sees and God knows. And he says, I will act. And so he has said, I am going to deliver us into a promised land. You'll recall from, another, uh, from last week where I said that the story foreshadows upon itself. And what we see here is the first cycle of a foreshadowing of the promised land. Where, where God has said, I am going to take this group of people from their suffering, from the chaos that's around them, and I'm moving them into a promised land. Today, we live in a multicultural setting. We live in, an, in a world where, where the rules are constantly changing on us. And on everybody, they're changing. Like, everything is changing. The way we live today is not the way we lived 25 years ago. Um, the, the social rules are changing. The, the governments are changing. The way we teach is changing. Everything is changing. And so in that world where God says there's stuff that's, there's stuff that's wrong in that world, and that's a very excellent, you know, there, there's, there's some good things about it, but there's stuff that's wrong. God goes, I know I see, and I'm coming down, and I'm going to lead you into a promised land. So the promise for us comes from this same story that God says, repeat it again and again and again. Repeat it to your children. Because God says, I see where you are. I hear your groaning. I hear what's going on. I know, and I am leading us to a promised land. I am leading us to a place where this is no longer wrong. And so, this is, this is God's outstanding. It's, it is God's outstanding. So, uh, it's God's outstanding uh, promise. So, that's, uh, that's something that, that really comes out of this. So, our story is of, of Exodus was lived out in the lives of Moses and those who left Egypt some uh, 3,000 plus years ago. And the story is historic. It's about a people group that still exists today. So this isn't just a, oh, isn't it so nice that we've got this, like, beautiful picture of, like, a good, you know, archetype, yay, whatever. No, no, no. The reality of this story is historic. So the God that initiated all of this actually did these things. This is a real story. And the reason it's so important to understand the, the, the historic value of this story is because we place our future hopes on the history. That because God has been faithful to the people of Israel, we can trust that God will be faithful to us. And so this is a historic story. One of the uh, very awesome things about this story is, um, is we're seeing that that. This story is, is something that, that has affected us and it has changed us and it is, div, uh, it is developing us as, as people. But we're really seeing that God is preparing us for shalom, for that place where it's like where everything is made right. And, uh, and so I really, I want to, to spend, uh, I wanted to spend this time to encourage us that God is in the process of making everything right. And so, this is our outstanding promise. 
And, in, and my question is, in what ways do we see God wanting to make things right in Bradford? See, one of the awesome parts about the story is Moses, he saw the injustices. He's like, there I am. I see the injustices. And in Exodus 3, Moses meets with God at the burning bush. By the time we get to Exodus 33, when Moses is well on the way towards the promised land, Moses is pulling these people who, by the way, were very, it wasn't just like direct descendants of Abraham that went. Uh, Genesis 22 tells us it was actually a whole group of people that went. So Moses has pulled these people, over a million people, through the desert, walking day by day with this hope of a better life. And he, in his younger life, was a person who was like, I'm going to get to justice. I'm going to make it right. I'm going to be involved. And it didn't work out. By Exodus 33, Moses is at a place where, where there's tension in between God and Israel because Israel has been complaining. And Moses goes, if your presence doesn't come with me, I'm not interested. We're not going anywhere. This story of the promised land is something that we really need to own. In our world today that has so many different nuanced issues, we could easily go out and look for all the areas that are wrong and try to fix them. Cool. We're a great social agency. Lovely. And yes, there's, there's part of that where we're like, yes, we're going to go do stuff. We must be driven by a vision of the presence of God. By a vision that God is with us. That the story where Moses gets himself to is such a reliance on God that says, God, I see what you're doing. I want to be involved in what you're doing but you've got to be there with me because what I do on my own isn't good enough. It makes a mess. And so my prayer for Promise Church as we move into ways that we invest in Bradford and try to make it better, as we move ahead with the visions that God has given us, my prayer for us as a church is that we seek after the presence of God And we carefully recognize that God is here with us to walk us from the place of of chaos into a promised land. And we walk with him in that. There's no getting ahead of him. There's no getting ahead of him. And there's there's no doing it on our own. There's no mavericks. Doesn't work. But there's a place where we go, you know what? I seek God's presence. So I want to encourage us with that because God is here with us. And so today, as as I close in prayer, I want want us to, to recognize with our hearts and not just our minds that we rely on the presence of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus... So oftentimes I find myself like Moses before the burning bush. I'm that guy who I'm going to try to make things right. 
I'm that guy that I'm going to run ahead and I'm going to do things. And I know there are people in this, in this room that, that feel the same, whether it's family dynamic stuff or whether it's, um, whether it's finances or whether it's whatever problems we face. We want to be the people that, that yeah, we fixed the problem. Yeah. But if there's one thing we learn from the story that you called us to repeat again and again and again, it's a story that, it's a story that says we rely on your presence, on your coming down, on you hearing, on you knowing. So God, as we go this week and we face our life and we enjoy and we, there's so many things that are good in life and then there are a couple problems and problems come up and we see things. God, I pray that we would know your presence. That we would know that you're making it right and that you're calling us to partner with things. And it's only as you go with us that our efforts become useful. It's only as you go with us that we actually reach the promised land. It's only as you go with us that the things that we do contribute to the betterment and not destroy. And so I pray that we would be aware of your presence as we go through it this week. I pray that we would be reminded of right now where you rest with us and you say, I'm with you, I see you, and I know see you and I know in Jesus name Amen